0: Hello again. Thanks for joining us. This is Space Nuts. Coming up, we're talking uh, Lagrange points, supermassive black holes, dark matter, and uh, a what-if question about meeting aliens and what we would want to know from them. All coming up on this edition of Space Nuts.
1: 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. Space Nuts. 5, 4, 3...
0: One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. Space nuts. That's the nice report. It feels good. Okay, Fred. Shall we tackle some questions? We should, shouldn't we? That would be nice. Yeah, well, I guess so. No, okay. Well, we've got uh, a couple of text, a couple of text questions to start off with. Uh, this one comes from Jim Skelly in Plano, Texas. I have a question about Lagrange points or Lagrange points. Uh, If we look at the five Lagrange points around the Earth and the Sun, uh, I can fully comprehend L1, which is between the Sun and the Earth. I can also understand L4 and L5, which are 60 degrees ahead of and behind the Earth's orbit, respectively. I can readily see where the force of gravity between the Sun and the Earth would be in balance at these three locations. I really struggle to understand L3, uh, which is on the opposite side of the sun from the Earth, and L2, which is beyond the Earth and is a popular location for positioning telescopes like, um, well, you know, the Planck, G- GWS GWS, um, yep. and and the new European one that's gone up there too. I cannot understand how gravity between the Earth and the sun is balanced at L2 and L3 locations. Can you kindly enlighten me? Thank you for the answer and the great podcast uh, that you produce each week. Well, It's not great every week, I can tell you. But um, anyway, <laughs>
1: it's a bit sick today. Like, they know they know about Adrian. You don't have to tell them it's not great every week. Everybody knows <laughs> that.
0: But uh, now, good question, and I must confess that this is one that confuses me as well.
1: So, um, um, so, an so that- very, very nice. It's a fairly simple answer, actually, and you'll kick yourself. So so you say. You'll kick yourself (laughs) um, because uh, there is another force involved. Uh, Oh, oh, okay. So you've got gravity, and yes, uh, the L1 sitting between the two, one and a half million kilometers towards the sun from our own planet, which is, is that 1% of, it is, it's 1% of the distance to the sun pretty well exactly Okay. Uh, so that's easy to understand but the others are totally counterintuitive especially the ones that are outside the one that's outside the orbit of the Earth L2 uh, but uh, the other um, force that comes into this is centrifugal force because the Earth is moving around the Sun at 30 kilometers per second takes 365.25 days to go around and that generates an outward force um, just as you know spinning a spinning a wheel uh, puts an outward force up and it's the balance between that and the gravity that uh, it, it's a marvellous thing really it's another of these wonderful natural phenomena that you don't expect but the the balance between centrifugal force and gravity gives you these five, uh, five stable points which are very useful
0: um, so that's it it's just okay. centrifugal force <laughs> yeah yeah Someone's going to someone's going to um, email well, us a question saying, "Okay, etc." But how? Why? I do so, Well, let me
1: let me um, just elaborate a little bit further. So, if you think of L two, which is yep. on the opposite side of the Earth from the Sun, one and a half million kilometers away, um, the that's being pulled directly inwards by the gravity of the Sun and the Earth. Yeah, because they're in a straight line. So the two of them are in a straight line. They're both pulling like mad with, with their giant gravity. But the centrifugal force is trying to push this anything at that point outwards.
0: Oh, right. So well, yeah, you've got a
1: resistance. Yeah, against, against the gravity. gravity. Gotcha. And it's pretty okay. well the same for L three as well. Even though that's on the other side of the solar system, it's still feeling the gravitational pull of both the Earth and the and the Sun. Um, okay. the, the the other two, um they're a bit I, I actually find L four and L five the hardest ones to understand intuitively, which uh, uh Jim was saying are the ones he can he can he can understand. Uh once because we've we've got a uh, you know, we've got a sort of triangle triangle of vectors, basically. It's a pull uh by the earth and by the uh, by the sun, uh, forming a triangle like that. Here's the here's the sun pulling, here's the earth pulling. Uh, so you've got to point uh, uh, An object at the apex Of the the two vectors If I can use a technical term, the, the pull uh, But once again That is balanced by the centrifugal force As these things troll around The Earth's orbit So it's it's very neat stuff uh, mm-hmm. Invented by a mathematician Who probably never thought we'd ever use it uh, For practical purposes Is his name LaGrange? Very good <laughs> Uh, I think it's uh, was it Sid? no it was Fred Fred, Fred Legrand yeah that's it of course
0: well, you know, all, the, all the greats are called Fred Fred that's <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. well, oh, thanks, yeah. uh, thanks for the question Jim uh, our next question comes from Kerry uh, hi Andrew and Fred excellent podcast keep up the great work Uh, The following has been nagging me for some time. How is the gravitational effect of supermassive black holes and dark matter on galaxies separately determined? If both are impacting a galaxy, how is the specific mass of a supermassive supermassive black hole determined? Could an incorrect estimation of the mass of supermassive black holes be the cause of the need to include dark matter, i.e. are the actual masses of supermassive black holes big enough to cause the gravitational effect that has prompted the need to include dark met- the dark matter component? Looking forward to hearing your views. And Kerry, thanks for putting supermassive black holes in the question four times. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: all right. You can get your tongue around that, Andrew. You're a radio reporter. Really? Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, that's a, it is a great question. Um uh, but the two are separate enough that they can be measured with pretty high precision uh, separately. So if you've got a galaxy, um, you, you can, um, with a supermassive black hole at its centre, uh, and if it, it works best for what we call active black holes, ones that are gobbling up their surroundings. So there's gas and dust which is whizzing around the black hole at relativistic speeds, speeds close to the speed of light, and those speeds can be measured. And so, you, what you can do is actually um, you can sense that very close to the black hole, there is a very high gravitational pull, uh, and that's what that's what the speed of uh, of rotation of the accretion disk tells you. It tells you that there's an enormous gravitational pull, and that's really. You know, it's far into the center of the supermassive black hole. And that phenomenon, when you get, I don't know, even only 100 light years away, on some supermassive black holes, it would be more than that. But you don't have to go far away before it disappears. Uh, So this is very much an effect due to the black hole itself. Whereas the effect on the galaxy, and, and if you take the simplest example, and we've got many, many... Uh, observations of a different kinds that tell us that there is something missing there, uh, that that dark matter is real. Uh, When you you look at the rotation of the whole galaxy uh, and you look at what would cause that, the mass distribution that would cause that, it's not concentrated at the middle. You can work out what the distribution of matter is by the rotation and you find that it's a blob, which is all around the galaxy, but it's quite separate Mm -hmm. from what the black hole measurements are. Good question, Don. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Kerry. I hope that helped. But,
0: um, yes, there's obvious signs that differentiate them, is what Fred said, which would have been a shorter answer. But uh... <laughs> We've got to stretch the program out somehow.
1: Andrew. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true, actually.
0: Uh, thank you, Kerry. All right. Our next question, uh, which we, we had to dump last week due to time constraints, we're going to tackle now. This is a, this is a what-if question from Robert.
1: Hello Fred and Andrew, this is Robert from the Netherlands. I would like to propose a experiment for us. We've made a connection with a very superior alien race, but because it's done through a super quantum computer, only ask one question. You two five gentlemen have been selected. So what will it be? can be the winning lottery number. can ask anything else. I have related to dark energy, big bang, cure for aging, <laughs> I'll just stop time, travel back in time. Anything you like, please let me know. And
0: I'll be listening. Okay. Thank you, Robert. Uh, only one question. Oh, look, I did some research on this, Fred, and um, I, I – because I I couldn't think of a, you know, an intelligent scientific question to ask. Uh, and and I, I actually went to one of my favorite social media sites, Reddit, to see what people um, would say, because Reddit, Reddit people are a, a little bit weird compared to <laughs> other social media. And uh, I got a few ideas, but I, I do remember that the Harvard Gazette did actually hone in on this uh, via our good friend Avi Loeb, uh, and they made a point of saying, well, your first stumbling block's going to be language. Language is going to be the really, you know, the first major hurdle to overcome when it comes to um, speaking to another interstellar race. And I don't know if you've seen the movie Arrival. Hmm. Uh, Arrival was a, a film where these um, creatures came to Earth in their spaceships and sort of you know, planted themselves all over the world. And they, they had to get uh, a linguist in to try and decipher their language so we could find out what they wanted. And, of course, Earth being Earth, we went on ready alert and we're going to blow them all up. So there was, there was a time limit on how this would be resolved. It was very clever film. And not only that, it, it had a time element that yeah. completely confused me <clears throat> until the very end, and I went, oh, oh Danny's plays Oh, the story's all weird. But, um, yeah, that was, that's the first problem. Um, I, I probably wouldn't ask a scientific question straight up. I, um, I'd leave that to the Fred Watsons of the world. I'd want to ask them more rudimentary stuff, like um, you know how how do you live day to day? What's your civilization like? Sure. Do you have religion? Um, do do you you know live in houses and have streets and get garbage collected? I, that's the stuff I'd want to know. That's exactly what goes through my brain. What is their lifestyle? Not very scientific, but then again, well, I suppose I it
1: think is. That's really important, and, and yeah. It's the sort of thing you should ask. The trouble is, the answer you might get to a question like that could be forty-two. Yes, uh, <laughs> because <clears throat> that's where the where it goes a bit wonky. Yeah, um, I'd like to. So, thanks. D- sorry, uh, did I interrupt you there? No, no. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I mean, in, in at some level think we'd be asking the same question but maybe framed in a different way uh because i would like to know at the moment oh let me step back a bit at the moment our best understanding of reality the way the universe works on big and small scales is the two theories the two pillars of our understanding of the universe uh general relativity about things on big scales gravity and all that stuff lagrange points all of that um general relativity and uh, and quantum mechanics which is things being in two places at once and curious things like that and things mm. when you look at one in one place it, you immediately know what the other one looks like in the other place so um those are those are incompatible and a lot of physicists in particular have suggested that there is a deeper theory some deeper theory that maybe quantum mechanics and relativity emerge out of. Uh, and it could be, you know, that there are things that we simply don't understand at all. One is gravity. We we know the way it behaves because relativity tells us that. We've no idea what it is. So we postulate it might be gravitons, but we haven't discovered them yet. And the other one is time. we've got no idea what time is it's sort of it's a it's a unit in four dimensional space time. You can see it in the equations. You find this term which is um uh c squared t squared coming up in these equations uh and that tells you that time is a dimension but beyond that, we really don't know much about it mm-hmm. and and so the thinking is that that theory that underpins everything. Might explain things like time, things like uh gravity, things like why quantum mechanics is incompatible with general relativity, and it might be well, it might really be the answer to life, the universe, and everything. It's often called a theory of everything we don't have it so so your question would be, have you guys figured this stuff out yes yeah. yeah, that's my right. clue yeah, <laughs> but where it where it um where it overlaps what you said they might say yeah yeah we have actually we call it religion you know it's it these are such deep questions we really don't know the answer to them uh and so i think i think there's a lot of really pointed questions you could ask (laughs) robert says we can only have one question since there's two of us that means we can have two and they might uh, they might tell us and it's
0: and it's it's very sad, Robert, to have to admit that uh, being humans and we, we get this contact and we can ask one question, and the guy on Earth at the telescope who receives it goes, uh, Can you hang on a second? <laughs> Too late. Done. Because <laughs> that's what had happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I do agree with you. Arrival was a very good movie. I really enjoyed uh, that. Real most film. Most science fiction movies irritate me enormously, but that one didn't. <laughs> it's always really- written. no. no. It's, it's very so cool. deep,
0: so deep, very cleverly, very cleverly constructed film and you've got to concentrate. You can't go away and make a cup of tea because you come back and go,
1: what, what's happened? What's happened? <laughs> Andrew, I can never do that, I'm afraid. I lose the track of things so quickly. It takes about two milliseconds and I've lost the track, so I've got to concentrate on everything. My, my wife, and I'm talking quietly
0: because she's just out there, my wife will watch a half-hour show after lunch and not finish it for three or four hours because she keeps stopping it to go and do little jobs around the house and okay. that's that's how she spends her afternoon. I'm going to watch a half-hour show, start at 12, and by the time I'm finished doing these things around the house, it'll be four o'clock and the show will be finished. That's, I think there's
1: a lot to be said for that. That's, that's time yeah. management, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's time management of the kind that I simply don't have. I don't think you needed to lower your, your voice there. I think that was a compliment. Hope you're listening, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't bang on the door, so I'm saying. No. Um,
0: look, I, I could go on with, with ideas about this question from Robert for forever. Um, there is, you know, the questions just keep coming to mind and you could ask squillions of questions and still not scratch the surface about anything really, but uh, it is a great question and, and one we might get to tackle again further down the track to <laughs> the uh, older and wiser. Robert, thank you very much for the question. Don't forget if you have a question, send it in to us, whether it's by audio or text, uh, through our website, spacenutspodcast.com, spacenuts.io. If you're a YouTuber and you've just found us, please subscribe. We would um I, I've always what I've always wanted to do this. Uh click on the subscribe button below. I've never done that before, because they all do that. But uh yes, please subscribe. We'd uh, love to get more people on on board through YouTube, but whatever platform you're um, viewing or listening to us on, we really appreciate your support, particularly those who are patrons that uh, put a little bit of money into the place to keep the lights on and, um, you know, uh, pay Hugh's enormous salary. Uh, and <laughs> and Fred, that uh, brings us to the end of yet another show. Thank you very very much.
1: It's oh, a pleasure. Um, I think it might have brined up my health a bit um, having this very good. Often that's all you need is. Get out of your mind. get out of your misery. <laughs> and, yeah, absolutely. Keep yourself occupied and you feel a lot better. Very true. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Fred. We'll catch you next week. Sounds great. And uh, thanks to Hugh in the studio for reasons that don't come to mind, but I'm going to um, get the telescope out and ask an alien what Hugh does. And uh, until next week, looking forward to your company on the next episode of Space Nuts.